G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. There are many descriptions of the Christian life, and one of them, amazingly, is the fight. In today's program, we're going to see that contending for brothers and sisters in Christ to stay and grow in the faith is of the highest order. Our series is entitled Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. As we go through this amazing epistle of 2 Corinthians, remember, there are 13 chapters. We are now beginning chapter 11, and this chapter could be rightly called False and True Apostles. Both of these are going to stand side by side so you can compare and contrast. And believe me, it's like looking at the wheat from the tares. So this is chapter 11. And today we're going to contend for the believers. The passage is 2 Corinthians 11 verses 1 to 6. Now in this range of verses, let me focus on verses 2 and 3 of 2 Corinthians 11, for it reads, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This is the challenge. Because of the holy, pristine, priceless, glorious nature of eternal salvation. You can be sure that our enemy, the devil, is doing everything in his power to deceive us through cunning, trickery, intimidation, and so on. That's why Paul begins chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians about bearing with him a little, because here he's going to get very personal and confrontational. We're dealing with an insidious enemy who will transform himself like an angel of light. He goes on to tell us that he has espoused us to one husband and that he is exhibiting godly jealousy. Remember, jealousy is where you're afraid of losing something that is rightfully yours, like a husband is jealous over his wife who's being, shall we say, seduced by another. And of course, covetousness is different. Covetousness is wanting something that isn't yours, but eagerly desiring it anyway, even if you have to get it through dishonest or ungodly means. One husband is Christ, 
And remember that as our high priest, as per Leviticus 21.14, the high priest can only marry a pure virgin, and Christ is our priest. He is espoused, or we are espoused to him, and we need to have neither spot nor wrinkle. There is the issue of our minds being corrupted. Remember that ultimately the simplicity of Christ. And when we say simplicity, we mean streamlined, pure, undefiled, not, how should we say, without any form of grandeur, a plain or uncomplicated thing. No, simplicity is your single-minded devotion to the Lord. Especially in the Western world, there are many, many distractions ideological, social, material distractions. When the distractions happen, we become double or even multi-minded. And this needs to avoid it by the plague. So Paul, the pastoral apostle, is really contending with the Corinthians for their undivided devotion to God. But remember, there's a naive assumption here in verse 4 of 2 Corinthians 11. The naive assumption is that if a false apostle came to the Corinthians and told them another gospel and ministered another spirit, they would probably put up with it. And then Paul goes on to say, remember, as he's defending himself and his ministry, I am not the least of the apostles. I am on par with Peter. I am on par with them all. And then ultimately in verse 6, though he may be unpolished in speech and in knowledge that everything they did in God was made manifest with his power and anointing. Therefore, there's credibility to speak into their lives for their undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, let's read that entire passage of 2 Corinthians 11, verses 1 to 6. Again, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 6. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. This lesson is entitled, Contending for the Believers. And this chapter, chapter 11, is about discerning the false from the true apostles. Let's start with verse 1 here. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. So, verse 1, it says, now things are getting very, very confrontational here. Paul is dealing with an insidious enemy, namely false apostles who are inspired by the devil himself. These people can talk the talk but they definitely don't walk the walk. They will appear loving, caring, compassionate, but their doctrine and their attitude are dead wrong. Paul is asking the Corinthians to bear a little with him in his supposed folly. What folly? Why folly? How is Paul, the great wise apostle, demonstrating folly? Because he will be forced to do what he normally would not do, and that's to explain, defend, and vindicate 
his ministry. So though it appears as a request to bear with him, ultimately it is a command to bear with him for the good of the church and of the kingdom of God. Very important we understand that Paul is using this phrase that he's going to indulge in folly tongue-in-cheek. It seems like folly to have to talk about oneself, have to defend, have to explain. I know politicians do this all the time. I'm not saying that's folly on their part, but they're constantly defending their record, that they did the right thing towards their constituency and the country. Well, Paul is doing this in 2 Corinthians, but really he rarely does it anywhere else because of the nature of the situation. Do you remember the background here? in this second epistle, is that Paul sent his first epistle, and he sent his messenger, Titus, and when the Corinthians heard the message from the first epistle and from Titus, most of them repented. But a small group of recalcitrant rebels did not, being fueled by a false apostle who probably came after Paul's visit. And they're being really, really difficult. They're not only resisting Paul's apostolic authority, and after all, he's the one that birthed the church. He's the one that planted it, nurtured it, and so on. Well, they're resisting him, and not only resisting what he teaches, they're even insulting him personally, his stature, his appearance, his uh, speech, as if to say he was just easy to overlook. And of course, he would be anything but. So let's go to verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 11. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Well, this is talking about one husband, and Paul is exhibiting godly jealousy. After all, there is ungodly jealousy, but here it's a legitimate thing fearing the loss of something that is rightfully yours to a lesser or ungodly party. Uh, Godly jealousy means a fear of losing what belongs to God. The Corinthians have been espoused to one husband, and that husband is Christ. He wants to present, and that's Paul, the Corinthian church as a chaste virgin. As I mentioned earlier, in Leviticus chapter 21, verse 14, we see that the high priest can only marry a pure virgin. Thus Christ, our great high priest, is espoused to a glorious church that neither has spot nor wrinkle. That's how it should be. But unless Corinthian minority can get from out of under the spell of this false apostle, they will not be part of that great great day. In fact, they will be like the foolish virgins who didn't have extra oil. When the bridegroom comes, they will be elsewhere. So we look at verse 3, and this is a very, very important verse because it's talking about corruption. It's talking about simplicity. It's talking about how we are tempted, the way that we can be deceived. And remember, as I often say, discernment is one of the most vital types of uh, gifting you can have, because discernment will help you to know the difference between the counterfeit and the genuine spiritual reality. And without discernment, not only can you be distracted, you can actually be destroyed. Let me read verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 11 again. Paul says, but I fear lest by any means As the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Corruption of the mind. And here, 
The apostle expresses a real worry. He likens the false apostle to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. As the serpent beguiled, which means thoroughly deceived, Eve through his subtlety. And here subtlety means he was smooth, cunning, shrewd. So false apostles are doing to the Corinthians. This distraction can be a disaster. Unfortunately, friends, in an age of increasing self-centeredness, selfies, narcissism, what about me, it's all about me, and people learning to put on a really good lacquered facade that has no resemblance to the reality of their own hearts. People can be seduced and waylaid very easily. I want to just say, I've said it before, I want to say it again. If you have to deal in a very personal way with another human, like boyfriend, girlfriend with the thought of getting married, or a partner in a business, make sure you are prayerful, make sure your antennas are fully extended spiritually, and don't disobey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit may be telling you, watch out, while you're receiving the smooth talk from the other party. As a secondary precaution, get to know people who know the one whom you want to do business with or you want to get romantically involved or married. Get to know family. Get to know friends. It's like getting a reference, getting several references before you sign on the bottom line. And remember this, references that are written are not as candid as references that are given verbally. In writing, one has to be a bit careful, but when they are not writing and it's not recorded, they are freer to speak the, the more extensive, honest appraisal. So just don't be fooled by the smooth talk. I dare say there's people here right now listening to this message. Somebody's trying to seduce you, deceive you, invite you to take a course of action that if you do, you'll wind up in big trouble. Here's the word of the Lord, which is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Don't fall for it. Remember that it is possible to deceive people by any means. Paul wants to protect the minds of the believers from being corrupted, from subtlety, and that it wants to take them away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, simplicity means plainness, but it also here means your single-minded devotion. Just as a faithful spouse is single-minded to their respective spouse, so we should be with Jesus Christ. False teachers will take us away from that devotion, demoting sound doctrine, demoting Christ himself so that they can be in the driver's seat, basically controlling and running other people's lives. Verse 4 talks about this naivete, which I mentioned earlier. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which we have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him." The subtle false apostle came after Paul left Corinth, reached another or preached another Jesus, excuse me, whom was not preached by the apostle. In addition, the church received a different spirit with different gifts compared to that which is given by the true Holy Spirit. Another gospel which looks attractive but is thoroughly false and void. If you did receive these things from the false apostle, you might well bear with it. That's why, as I said earlier, discernment is your best friend in these days of increasing deception. Verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostle. My ministry 
is not second-rate. The highest of the apostles have not preached or ministered in the realm any higher than what I have. Since this is the case with the true apostles, how much more with false ones? In other words, Paul was in every respect equal to Peter, to James, to John, to them all. Not only did he not need to submit to Peter, he could and did rebuke him when necessary. Finally, verse 6. 2 Corinthians 11, But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Though we be unpolished in speech, we are not so in knowledge. You know very well that what we do and teach is manifest for the whole world to see. It is from God, it is of the highest nature. It is irrelevant that I, Paul, am not an orator, or a rhetorician, the things that are most valued in the Hellenistic culture, what matters is I'm giving you the gospel to a kingdom that will have no end. Well, our lesson has been entitled here, Contending for the Believers, Keeping Them from Being Seduced or Hijacked by False Teaching and by the Devil Himself. Well, that is the title of our lesson, and our lesson for life is this, Hoodwinking believers is an ever-present danger. Therefore, we must not be distracted from single-minded devotion to the Lord. Well, after all, if your mind and heart are on the Lord, who is the light of the world, there is no way you can be distracted. So let me repeat that lesson. Hoodwinking believers is an ever-present danger. Therefore, we must not be distracted from single-minded devotion to the Lord. Remember to sign up for our free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter with articles on scripture, victorious Christian living, and current events in the light of God's word. You can do so by our homepage. Also remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you for liking our page. As always, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you in Christ. We are more than conquerors. We will not be deceived. We will not be distracted. We will certainly not be destroyed because we are no longer on sinking sand. But as we hear and do your word, we are standing firmly on the rock, whose name is Christ Jesus. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.